Hey, you're listening to Just Say the Word. I'm your host, Erin Sanchez, and this is a storytelling podcast. In every episode, you'll hear a story from me or my guests from around the world. Then we'll encapsulate a key lesson from that story in just one word you can apply in your own life or business. If you're an entrepreneur looking to get inspired and make your mark on the world, you're in the right place. Your story is your legacy, and I want to help you tell it better. Visit candidlyerin.com for more writing, communications, and personal branding advice. In the words of John Mellencamp, I was born in a small town, but the difference is I no longer live in that same small town. Here's the thing. When I say I grew up in a small town, people often reply, oh, me too. There were 10,000 people in my town or 300 graduating seniors in my high school, at which point I look at them and say, there were more cows than people in my town. And that's not a joke. There were anywhere from, I don't know, 300 to 500 people in what many call a village when they see aerial shots. This little village is in a valley of north central Washington state near the Canadian border at the base of the Cascade Mountains. It's a beautiful area with lots of wilderness, lots of lakes, and like I said, lots and lots of cows. But what there aren't lots and lots of are job opportunities and educational opportunities and people from diverse backgrounds. See, everyone in Loomis, my little hometown, was either a farmer, a rancher, a logger, or an orchardist. Maybe a teacher, a bank teller, a grocery store clerk, or they worked in a restaurant. And that just about sums it up. Now, what you have to understand about this small town is that it was miles and miles away from most every modern convenience. Those bankers, those teachers, those grocery store clerks, they all worked in a neighboring town that had a whopping 2,000 people. That town, Tenasket, is where the school was because my little town of Loomis didn't have its own. And it didn't have a grocery store, not really. And it didn't have a bank either, unless you count the old one that was walled up and bricked up and had an ancient cash machine inside. I always wanted to go check it out, but alas, it was an abandoned building that nobody was allowed inside of. Though it did have a little convenience store and a tiny diner when I was really young, along with a gas station, the post office that's smaller than some people's living rooms, and a church, because every good small town's gotta have a church. All of these things existed right along Main Street. And beyond that, it was just houses scattered here and there, some even up in the mountains, some along the lake. So it's not like these three to 500 people were all concentrated in a very close area. We were spread out. We lived in the goddamn boonies. In order to buy school clothes, not that we ever got new ones, you had to drive 45 miles to the next, next town, not Tenasket, but the next one, Omac, where you could find a JCPenney and later on in my childhood, a Walmart. That didn't exist when I was very young. The nearest mall was three hours away. Eventually, the little convenience store in Loomis burnt to the ground and it was never rebuilt. The diner has been open and closed over the years due to changes in ownership and depending on the economy. And even the gas station has opened and closed over the years for similar reasons. 
That gas station though, I've got to tell you, it still has those old school gas pumps with the numbers that rotate on a spindle or a dial. So if you're at 4.9 gallons, you see the number rotating, sh click, and it changes to five gallons. I'm not talking about digital screens here. My hometown still doesn't have modern gas pumps. Last year, I was at a flea market in Los Angeles with a friend. She pointed out these amazing vintage mailboxes. And guess what? My hometown's mini post office still has those vintage mailboxes installed to this day. Not for the coolness factor, but because that's just the way things are in Loomis. So let me tell you how this town is situated in relation to Tenasket, where everyone went to school and went grocery shopping and things like that. You would leave Loomis on a winding road that had a couple of lakes on one side and some rocky shale hillsides on the other. When I was younger, there were lots of orchards and since many of those have been torn out, but I remember because it gets so hot in the summer over there um, and we never had cars with air conditioning because we were very poor as many families in that area are and were. But when you drove by an orchard, you would feel the cool air on your skin. And it was just this immediate change from the oppressive dry heat. We lived for passing by those orchards on a hot summer day, that and heading to Palmer Lake and diving in head first. When you were just driving normally in your family car along this road, it would take you about 30 minutes to get to town. And that's what we called it, going to town. Because honestly, you didn't feel like you lived in a town because there was nothing there besides people and cows. But if you were going in the early morning on the school bus, it took over an hour to get to school. Of course, that's not because of traffic. We didn't even have any stoplights. It's because we had to make multiple stops up and down rural dead-end roads. Imagine being on a school bus with no shocks, terribly hard seats, bouncing around over rocky dirt roads. That's what Loomis kids did every morning and every afternoon, five days a week. But some days took even longer than an hour. And we would tell our teachers we were late because we got stuck in a cattle drive. I'm not talking about those, my dog ate my homework excuses. Our teachers believed us. They knew that this was a common occurrence. And if you're not exactly familiar with what a cattle drive is, this is when cowboys get on horseback, they round up cows from one field, and they move them to another. In our town, this happened right down the middle of the highway. And it sucked to get stuck behind them in a car, but when you were at home, it was kind of cool. My mom would always tell us, come to the window, the cows are on the move. And we would run into the kitchen, we'd look out the big picture window and watch the cowboys on horseback trotting behind this big herd of cattle. And most of the time you could hear them coming before you even saw them. And you definitely saw the evidence after they'd been there, if you catch my drift. Anyway, I think you're starting to get a good idea of the way that I grew up. And when you grow up like that, like I said, there aren't a whole lot of opportunities. You have a very narrow perspective of the world. Because we didn't have a lot of money, we never traveled, we never vacationed, and guess what? We didn't even have TV a lot of the time that I was growing up. 
So our exposure to what was going on in the world beyond the borders of this rural county was pretty much non-existent. Let me give you further perspective. When I was growing up, I wanted to be a grocery store clerk. <laughs> that was my big dream. I remember going to the grocery store lines and thinking that conveyor belt and those buttons and the scanner, they just all looked like so much fun to use. And out of all the different career opportunities I was exposed to, that one just seemed like the best option. Now, look, today I go to the self-checkout and it's really not that fun. Those scanners lose their appeal real fast. And if I want to push buttons, I can push my husband's. But I digress. I didn't know there were such things as engineers and creative directors and research analysts. Remember, we didn't even have TV in the early days of my youth. But then we just got a few channels, just the main networks, ABC, CBS, and NBC. And that started opening my eyes to the world a little bit. But when things really changed was when PBS started coming through. I started watching things like Reading Rainbow and Mr. Rogers and Sesame Street and Kratz Creatures. And suddenly I wanted to be a biologist or a professor or an advertising executive. I started learning about all these different things that existed in the world that I previously had no clue about. I started seeing people who didn't look like me. Little kids with their hair braided in cornrows, kids playing in fire hydrants and jumping rope in ways that I'd never seen a jump rope being used. I saw people eating foods that I'd never seen, let alone tasted before. I started to understand that the world was so much bigger than my world, that I lived in a bubble. I was especially fascinated by Sesame Street because they highlighted so many activities around New York City, a truly vibrant, exciting city full of people and places and things that I had never had first-hand experience with. And I started putting things together. My grandmother on my dad's side, she lived in New York City, and I had never been there because, like I said, we didn't have the money to travel. My parents didn't have college educations, and my mom was a stay-at-home mom. My dad was a blue-collar laborer, but my grandma, my dad's mom, I learned that she had this thing called a master's degree. She would send money on Christmas and on our birthdays every year like clockwork. Now, mind you, I didn't even know what a master's degree was. I didn't know anything about college or what the different degrees meant or how to navigate higher education. Nothing. But I knew that my grandma had a master's degree, that she lived in New York City, and it sure seemed like she had money. I started connecting the dots in my kid brain, and suddenly I no longer wanted to be a grocery store clerk. I wanted to live in the big, shiny city. I wanted to get my master's degree. I wanted to be sophisticated and I wanted to be rich. I didn't know how I was going to accomplish any of those things. But the important thing is there were new possibilities before my eyes. I had something new to visualize and strive for. And that's what really matters in life. I'm not talking about the money. I'm not saying we should always be chasing the almighty dollar. Looking back, I only wanted to be a grocery store clerk because that's what existed in my worldview at the time. I didn't know what I didn't know. And it was only when I began expanding my worldview, thanks to PBS, that I was able to imagine new realities 
and picture different alternative futures for myself. I started reading a lot too. I'd even spend hours leafing through our outdated set of encyclopedias, gleaning all the worldly information I could. And this continues to be true today in various ways, because we still don't know what we don't know. And that is why I'm such a huge proponent of education and continual learning. This is why I believe it's so important to constantly be seeking new knowledge and new ways of seeing and experiencing the world. The dictionary defines worldview as a particular philosophy of life or conception of the world. And when our exposure to various ways of living, different ways of being, different ways of experiencing life, different cultural beliefs, values, and behaviors is extraordinarily limited, when we stay in our bubbles, we do ourselves a huge disservice because we lock ourselves into a worldview without really exploring and giving ourselves the gift of knowledge and diverse perspectives. How can you say what you really desire or what you really believe if you haven't given yourself as much information as possible to form your worldview? Whenever I'm having a debate with someone and we try to get to the crux of the matter, which is usually how can we potentially resolve this issue instead of just arguing about it, I always come back to the same answer, through education, through broadening our perspectives and listening to the many sides of an issue. So we could go really deep on this topic. I'm sure you can imagine all the ways, but I wanna bring it back around to success in your life and business. The growth of your business, the potential for your brand and your future is so much bigger than you probably think it is right now. Or maybe you have a general idea about the massive impact you could make, but you don't know how to get there. And here's what I want to tell you. You need to constantly be seeking new knowledge, reading, learning, taking courses, whatever that looks like for you, so that you can constantly be expanding your worldview and opening up new opportunities and new ways of seeing. Right now, you don't know what you don't know. And what that means for your business is that you cannot create a concrete plan for the next 10, 20, 50 years in your business because you could learn something tomorrow that changes everything. I'm not saying don't set goals and don't have plans in place. What I am saying is in business, you need to constantly be expanding your worldview so that you always have new paths and new possibilities opening up to you. When I first started freelance writing, I had very limited understanding of what that career could look like, who I could write for, and what kind of companies or people hire writers. But as I continued to learn and expand my perspectives, whole new sectors of work opened up for me. And when I started learning what kind of money could really be made as a writer, my life and business completely changed. Sure, without Sesame Street, my worldview, my perspective would have eventually shifted and changed and evolved over time. But to what extent and how long would it have taken me? Would I have spent years working in a grocery store, never pursuing what was truly possible for me because I didn't even know it existed until I felt it was too late? Never discovering my passions and talents? Now, let me make one thing crystal clear. I don't look down my nose at anyone in any position. Grocery store clerk, stay-at-home mom, farmer. 
Like I said, my family was made up of blue collar workers. My grandma on my mom's side cleaned hospitals for years. My grandfather was a rancher, a truck driver. My dad a mechanic at times, other times a logger. You get the idea. I'm only sharing this because once I realized what else was possible, I did want something different. I wanted my master's degree and I got it. It took me a long time, but I got it. And when I learned what a master's degree was, I didn't know how to get there. And it was only possible because I asked questions and sought answers to figure out how to get there. Today I run a business. I own a home. I've traveled to New York, to Hawaii, to Mexico, to Las Vegas, none of which I knew was possible for me before PBS crossed my path, before I expanded my worldview, before I started reading and opening up new perspectives. As I record this, I'm thinking maybe Sesame Street inspired me in more ways than I ever even realized. After all, just as Sesame Street is sometimes brought to you by the letter J or the number 12, this episode is brought to you by the word worldview. And yeah, maybe I did grow up in a small town where cows outnumber people, but in its own way, that gave me a worldview I wouldn't trade for anything. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you liked today's episode, please subscribe and tell your friends. If you want to learn better branding and communication skills or more about this podcast, please visit www.candidlyerin.com or justsaythewordpodcast.com. You can also find me everywhere on social media at candidlyerin and make sure to use the hashtag justsaytheword in your social media posts so I can see your stories of resilience, transformation, and lessons learned because your story matters. Remember, your story is your legacy. Everybody has a story and the world should hear yours.